Is the Bible a reliable and accurate source of information? Pastor Xavier Rhee says its accuracy is untouchable. There is no archaeological discovery that has ever contradicted a biblical reference. That's quite a statement. So the evidence involving the transmission of the Bible is of the highest, here's a word that the world has lost, integrity. <laughs> it can't be touched. It can't be matched. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Reality TV promises the uncut truth. However, the truth be told, these reality TV shows are far from real. They're versions of the truth, staged and molded behind the scenes. In God's real world, His truth in the Bible is unfiltered and uncut. We're getting the truth and nothing but the truth. Well, coming up, Pastor Xavier examines the evidence of the accurate truth that is the Bible. So stay tuned as we tune in to the real and living word on today's Simple Truth. Manuscript evidence is interesting. The Bible has more manuscript evidence than any 10 pieces of classical literature. You say, so what? That's well, very important. You never go to a university, and when you get into your humanities and your literature departments, and you get in there and start studying some of these classical literatures, they never would even dare to say, well, I don't think they really existed. How do we know those manuscripts are authentic? They're just accepted. And yet, the Bible has more manuscript evidence than any 10 pieces of classical literature. A.T. Robertson, the Greek scholar of the New Testament, declares, we have 8,000 manuscripts of the Latin Vulgate, 1,000 earlier versions, 4,000 Greek manuscripts, 13,000 portions. Most, if not all of the New Testament, can be reproduced from early church writers. You don't even need the New Testament. Warfield and Philip Skoll both declare that the word has been transmitted to us with no or next to no variations. Now, sometimes you hear people say, well, you know, the, the manuscript of Isaiah has a thousand mistakes. Wow, that's a lot. Let me show you how liars sure can't figure, okay? Figures don't lie. Liars do. Each misspelled word is counted in every manuscript. So if there is 3,000 manuscripts and you find one error, they will say that there are 3,000 errors in the manuscript, whether it's Isaiah or whatever it is, when in reality it's only one error that is found in the 3,000 manuscripts we possess. So it's one mistake repeated 3,000 times. Now, wouldn't it be much more honest to say that on the footnote? But they don't. Why? Because they want to bring suspicion and doubt to the scriptures. These are the scholars. Compared to other authors of the past, the Bible was written in the latter part of the first century. The very same century. As a matter of fact, probably the earliest gospel was probably around 40. Jesus died around 33. You're talking about seven to eight years after his death. We already had the first gospel. 
The seven plays of Sophocles are accounted as authentic texts. Yet, the manuscripts are 1,400 years after his death. 1,400 years after his death. No one ever doubts it. No one. And yet, some man will come, yeah, but the Bible. They don't know what they're talking about. They haven't done their homework. They have no idea. And we allow them to snow us. The history of Thucydides, 460 to 400 B.C. It's known to us by eight manuscripts, the earliest, 900 A.D. That, again, is 13, 1,400 years. No one has ever doubted this man. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd rather believe what the Bible says. It's got greater evidence just on a physical fact than anything we possess on the human level. Most mistakes or variations are in spelling or style. 98.33% of what you possess in your lap is God's word. The other 1.67 there does not change the meaning or the sense of the text. What do you have? You have God's inspired word. That's what you have. So the evidence involving the transmission of the Bible is of the highest, here's a word that the world has lost, integrity. <laughs> it can't be touched. It can't be matched. Yet they always say, oh, well, there's some mistakes in the Bible. Where? Well, it's in there somewhere. So next time somebody says, oh, there's mistakes in the Bible. Say, oh, yeah, well, oh, show me it. Where? They've never even looked at a Bible and opened it. Tell them, show me it. Is it in Hezekiah 3, 4? They say, yeah, yeah, Hezekiah. There's no Hezekiah 3, 4. <laughs> That's great. Thirdly, the uniqueness of the Bible. Let me give you some of the uniqueness of the Bible. It's incredible. In unity and harmony, it is overwhelming. It contains 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Written over 1,600 years span, written by more, by 40 different authors. Now stop and think about the time span, the number of authors, and yet there is a unity through it. There's a red thread running from Genesis to Revelation about the person of Jesus Christ. It begins with Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman, which is the first mention of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It ends up in Revelation with him being uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed. And it never misses a beat all the way through. It's a red thread that you can't miss it. It just, boom, 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 it's all over. Now, that's quite a feat for 40 different authors through a 1,600-year span. Oh, they would have to be more than mere men. <laughs> because if I just go up front here and I tell Sam something and then he tells it to the sister next door here and they go all down that. By the time this, and it goes up the balcony, it comes down and it gets right down here and he tells me what I said, I won't, under, I won't even know what I said. It'll change. So when you're looking at the harmony and the unity of the Bible and its message, it is overwhelming. 
From kings to fishermen, statesmen, tax collectors, herdsmen, military generals, doctors, and rabbis. <laughs> That's a heck of a conglomeration. It's written from different places. Moses wrote in the wilderness. Jeremiah from a dungeon. Ezekiel from Babylon captivity. Daniel from Shushan the palace. David in Jerusalem. Paul from prison in the mission field. Luke, personal interviews in his travels. It's written in times of war, peace, prosperity, and poverty. Times of joy, times of despair, times of sorrow. Written from three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. It contains eyewitnesses accounts, the Old and the New Testament. The strongest attestation of anything is a witness. Eyewitness. It contains law, history, poetry, prophecy. And that's the Old Testament. The New Testament also has history and prophecy. You have the book of Acts, history, revelation, prophecy, and then you have the general epistles which deal with practical things of life, which also deals with part of law and civil government and everything else. The law in the Old Testament deals with civil, criminal, ethical, ritual, moral, sanitary. That's dependent to the first five books. And who would even bother? When, I, when my kids were little and they four or five years old and we take them we, we, we began them with a, a little comic Bible and, and we took them through it all through the year and then we evolved to a more advanced Bible and as they grown up you know they always went to the Bible once a year and, um, and when they're little you know how kids are they that's why they're so great they ask questions and, and they said dad where did people go to the bathroom in the Old Testament in the wilderness I go well the Bible tells us and the Bible gave them instructions on what to do and how to do it now, if you and I were writing it, we're holy men. We would never think of touching anything like that. But God, God does. Incredible. It gives to us accounts of wars, treaties, biographies, records of kings. Kings are in chronological orders in reference to other kings and countries and dates and earthquakes, this and that. And every time you go out of your way to make these meticulous details, you are putting yourself out on the limb. Now, sometimes you and I go through the Old Testament or New Testament by genealogy. We say, ah, I don't want to read this. But we don't understand the value of it. Do you understand what God did? Every time God puts a personal name, a geographical location, a city, a treaty, an earthquake, or something, he is putting himself out on the limb to be proven wrong. And he says, and Josiah reigned in the so many years of this and that, and when this king was over here, and he's cross-referencing three or four different things so that they can be tied in. And if you just miss one little thing, you are found to be a false prophet. Today's pronosticator said, well, you know, in the next hour, the phone will ring. Real general. Oh, no, God says, you know, a woman's going to have a child. By the way, she's going to be a virgin. By the way, no man's going to have sex with her. And by the way, he's going to be my son. That's pretty specific. <laughs> Gene Dixon doesn't do that. <laughs> Nostradamus didn't do that. The psychic hotline doesn't do that. Interesting. The Bible has survived the critics, the emperors, the popes, and the kings. They're gone, and the Bible is still here. Many said that the Pentateuch had 
had to have been written after Moses because there was no known writing until they found the detailed law of Hammurabi predating Moses and Abraham. I love God. You know, he has a sense of humor. You know, every time some of these eggheads say something, then God finds some archaeologists and sends them down there and directs him and, 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 and he leads them to dig somewhere and they come up with something and just proves these guys wrong. But everywhere they're going to do it, they, they, they find something. By the way, do you know what book the archaeologists use? Pagan ones? No other to go look? The Bible. <laughs> because it's so specific in detail. So-called higher critics said that there, is, there was no Hittite civilization. And then God grabbed one of those archaeologists, put him out there, and now we know that a 1,200-year span of Hittite civilization existed. Then we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were found March 1947 in Qumran Caves. And it's eight miles south of Jericho. And they date back to 125 B.C., giving us 1,000-year-old manuscripts than the ones we possessed. Wow, 1,000 years, that's pretty old. When compared to the Masoretic text, which is the Hebrew text, they were the same. Incredible. They made up some 40,000 inscribed fragments. From these 500 books have been reconstructed. One scroll had Isaiah 53, only 17 letters were in question. Isaiah 53, only 17 letters were in question. You say, well, see, one chapter, 17. Let's explain them, okay? <laughs> Ten of these were spelling, not affecting the sense. Four more regarded style, such as conjunctions. The last three comprised the word light that was added in verse 11, and it does not affect the meaning. So what's the point? <laughs> Nelson Gluck said, There is no archaeological discovery that has ever contradicted a biblical reference. That's quite a statement. Quite a statement. In view of all the comments of people who don't know God, and they say that it's just a book, and that you can't trust it, and God does not exist. <laughs> Not to mention that all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation are in harmony and unity to one God who is revealing themselves to redeem sinful man. That's a consistent message all the way through. From the flood of Noah to the second return of Jesus Christ, God is desiring to save mankind. It is the most read book, published in more languages than any other, in portions and entire copies. About 40 to 50 years ago, the British Foreign Bible Society, to meet their demands, had to publish this. One Bible every three seconds, day and night. 22 copies every minute, day and night. 1,369 copies every hour, day and night. 32,876 copies every day in the year. This is overwhelming evidence that marks the uniqueness of the Bible. And we've just scratched the surface. Now, in view of this, what is the purpose of the Bible then? First of all, the Bible was not written to be a science book. We live in an age where we're caught up in science and technology, so we're always trying to correlate the two and try to prove the Bible wrong by what we have. 
The Bible does not attempt to describe the things of creation in a technical way, but that God created it. It still says it. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't seek to explain, persuade, and say, oh, come on, believe me. He just says, hey, I created it. That's a fact. He wasn't interested in saying, well, you know, this chemical came together here, and I did this and all that. And No, he doesn't do all that. He just declares it. The Bible does not bother to explain the details of the flood, but just simply records the fact that the entire world died in the flood. And by the way, there's evidence all over the world in the highest peaks. You find sedimentary strata of fossil records of, of marine life. How to get there? But we deny it. We come up with some crazy theories. The Bible does not bother to declare who Cain married. Of course, he married his sister. It just records the fact that he married and doesn't explain it. You say, well, how do you explain that? I don't. <laughs> well, if he married his sister, so what's your point? Who else is he going to marry? His brother? <laughs> but they're closer to the stock. They lived a lot longer. And then from there, God moved away from it. It's just the way it is. I don't have to defend it. It's just what happened. You have problems with that? When you get to heaven, you can ask God. And if you're to hell, then I'll ask him for you, one of the two. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Secondly, the Bible was not written to appeal man's intellect primarily, for it, re it rejects the things of God, 1 Corinthians 2.14. So God uses our intellect, but he doesn't depend upon it. You understand? The Bible is not written to, to appeal or to appease our intellect because the intellect of man through the fall is in rebellion against God. It doesn't desire to know or to understand the things of God. things of foolishness. God is transcendent beyond man's ability to understand the things of God. Now, I understand as I'm born again the doctrine of predestination, that God predestined in me from the foundations of the world. Because he knows all things. So that, I don't find any problem with that. I also understand the doctrine of free will. That God called me and asked me to choose for him. But I do not understand the reconciliation of both predestination and free will. How can one not override the other? How can God's predestination not violate my free will? I don't understand that. And I know it doesn't. But I don't have any problem with that because I'm born again. Now, when I'm not born again, I say, well, you know, I, when you can explain that to me, then I'll come. Well, you know, you may never come because I, I can't explain it to you. But the heartbreaking is there's some Christians that fight all their life about predestined free will because they want to understand it. Let me tell you, if you can understand predestined free will, then you're God. You're lacking one factor. Here it is, foreknowledge. No one possesses it but God. And that's what you need to understand how it reconciles. Those are two parallel lines in this side of heaven that will never cross. Once we get there, we'll go, oh, okay, but not now. You say, well, that's not fair. Maybe I'm not predestinated. I say, well, how, why do you think you're not predestinated? Well, I haven't come. Why haven't you come? I don't want to. Oh, well, it's your fault. Well, that's not fair. Well, then come. <laughs> I don't want to. Well, then you're going to go to hell. You see, if you land in heaven or you land in hell, it will not be by chance. It will be by choice. By choice. 
Yours. Well, how can I do that? And God not buy? I don't know. I don't know. But you know, I, I don't know how, how electricity works either. But I go over there and flick the switch and thank you, Jesus. That's it. You know, no big deal. I said, well, you know, I don't really believe this thing can light this room. And until I can understand how that electricity gets from that wire to that pulse, that, I'm not going to turn on. Come on. We walk by faith in the natural realm more than you know. God is the only one who can shed light on man's intellect regarding the things of God. He's the only one. The Holy Spirit turns the light on. And until it turns it on, you are in darkness regarding the things of God. And your best guess misses the mark. Thirdly, the Bible was written to reveal man's need and to bring him to repentance. That's what it was written for. To show him his need of God and to bring him to repentance because God loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Man, the more I think about God's love and what he's done for me and what he does for me and how he does things in spite of me, you know, the older you get, the more you fall in love with him. Because you know you're a rat. You know you don't deserve anything. But also because his son died for man. Romans 5.6 says, He died for the ungodly. I presume you qualify. Not one good, not, not one. Put your hand down, not one. <laughs> no one. We're all bad news, man. But also because he's coming back to judge the world. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 8 says, to judge the ungodly world of all the unrighteous deeds they've done. Mm. Believe me, he's coming. And if he doesn't come in my lifetime, I won't be disappointed because the minute I die, I'm instantly present. <laughs> he's coming. But also because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Second Peter 3, 9. He's not willing that any should perish, yet he's not willing to force anybody's will. But he gives the option. For love to be honored and for love to be meaningful, there must be a choice. If there is no choice, then it is not a love. And if it is not a love, it's not meaningful. And if it's not meaningful, it's not lasting. And if it's not lasting, you really have nothing. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why the Bible was written. So simple. The purpose of the Bible is to save man from his sins. Let me finish with this quote. Pile them, if you will, on the left of your study, but place your own holy Bible on the right side all by itself, all alone, and with a wide gap between them, for there is a gulf between it and the so-called books of the East, which severs the one from the other utterly, hopelessly, and forever. Man, are we blessed, are we privileged to have God's revelation inspired, inerrant, infallible, able to save to the uttermost. Makes no difference what you've done. Makes no difference what's been done to you. Jesus works. And he makes you new. And he makes you a son and his daughter. If you will believe the word to be his word able to save you. We pray that you entrust yourself to him. Pastor Xavier Reese. 
closing with a message of love, a message that's accuracy is unsurpassed in this world, spelling out God's salvation for man. And that wraps up a study Pastor Xavier is called So You Don't Believe the Bible, and copies are available, as always, by request. This may be one you'd like to pass on to an unbelieving friend who might be wrestling with the Scriptures as the valid Word of God. And Pastor Xavier has addressed many of the common issues that stand in the way of accepting the Bible as the inspired Word of God. So please get in touch and mention that you'd like a copy of So You Don't Believe the Bible. It's available for only $4. We can send you a copy on CD, which will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.